Hello. This episode is the first of a two-part interview that I have with Evan Montero. So Evan is the co-founder and managing director of DIY Blinds, and he's here to share some incredibly helpful information about window furnishings. Now, window furnishings is an area that I see people who are building or renovating, they'll either not have the budget for it, they'll leave it to the last minute, or they'll wait until after they've moved in to make decisions about it. And as a result, they miss huge opportunities to get a great design outcome, affordability, integration, and a whole kind of just beautiful approach to the way that their window furnishings can elevate and lift the experience of their interiors. So uh, as well as, of course, all the functionality that you need. So these two episodes, I've included the full conversation I've had with Evan. I didn't edit anything out. We've got the full conversation across two episodes so that you can see what's possible and why thinking about window furnishings during your design phase is super important. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now, before we dive into the interview, if you're listening because you want to get it right in your home's interior design, well, let me take a moment to tell you about the online program, Interior Design 101. If you're like most homeowners I know, dreaming, planning and choosing the interior design, finishes and items in your home, it's one of the fantastic and exciting highlights of any renovation or new build project. And yet it can also be a minefield of options, confusion and overwhelm. Would you like to simplify those choices and have total clarity and confidence that your interior design will help you create your beautiful, functional, feel-good home? Well, that's exactly why Interior Design 101 was created. Interior Design 101 is a self-study DIY program. It contains the full version of all the interviews that are included in the podcast season. I couldn't put all of the questions into the podcast, so we've got the full interviews in both audio and video format, plus extra content that's been specifically created for Interior Design 101. There's full transcripts of all of our interviews. There's also extra checklists, guides, design layouts, and so much good stuff to support you in the interior design of your renovation new home or smaller project. This program has been designed to help you gain clarity and confidence in all those selections and decisions that you need to make for the finishes, fixtures, colors, materials, and items that you'll be living with every day. So if you'd like to learn more about Interior Design 101, then head to www.interiordesign101.com.au and that's the numbers, the numerals 101. So Interior Design 101.com.au and I'll pop that link in the show notes as well. So let's kick off with our episode and let me introduce you to Evan Montero. So as I said in the intro, Evan is the co-founder and managing director of DIY Blinds. DIY Blinds is an online ordering site for window furnishings and it's got a huge range of products to choose from, from blinds to curtains to plantation shutters. You can also request fabric samples. You can then choose your fabric. You can learn how to measure and install your blinds and you can order them all online, all from the safety and privacy of your own home. So the DIY Blinds website does a great job of stepping you through the things that you need to consider and how to make your selections. And all the blinds and window furnishings, they're made in Australia. Most things are available within two weeks and they also come with a five-year warranty. So it's just fantastic in terms of an offering and the convenience of it all. Now, from my experience, homeowners you know, they don't think about their window furnishings until late in their project. And often only once the win- the home is finished and they're moving in, you sometimes see that they don't even have the budget for it then. And you have things like newspapers or, cur- or sheets going up on window openings. I think we've all been there. We've all seen it. Um, and what's unfortunate is that 
You're then not tapping into the potential of what's possible in concealing tracks, in potential motorization and automation, or just in understanding the limitations of specific fabrics and blind mechanisms as well. Look, I know from experience that window furnishings can make such an amazing difference to the feel and the performance of a space, from adding to the color palette, to providing privacy and shade, to even improving the flexibility of a space by blocking out light during the daytime, uh, let alone what it can do, obviously, for your nighttime privacy. So with all the glass that we add to our modern homes, because of course we want all of that beautiful light and indoor-outdoor connection, if we overlook how we'll put window furnishings on them, then we can get stuck with an outcome that we don't really like or that just doesn't work overall. I see a huge difference in homes when window furnishings have been thought about early. There's just a higher level of detail and finish and integration, and it's not necessarily going to cost you any extra to have that that high level of finish. In fact, when you build these things in early and you incorporate them into your design and your construction phase, you can actually save yourself uh, money in the long run. So Evan is really passionate about homeowners knowing what they need to know and about uh, being able to tell you what's possible in really elevating the detail and performance and finish of a home when you get these things factored in early into your project. And he's also super, super passionate about giving homeowners access to more affordable and great quality products by offering them online and by empowering you to directly access what you need and want in a way that's easy to understand. In this first part of our interview, Evan shares information about why DIY Blind started He talks through some of the biggest mistakes he sees homeowners make about window furnishings. And then we go into specific uh, tips on blinds and curtains, okay? And then in our next episode, we're going to dive into plantation shutters and what you need to know about them and where they're going to talk about more design tips uh, about really high-level integration and some of the really great design features that you can incorporate that when you include them in your design phase is so much more affordable and so fantastic. We're going to talk more about mistakes and also talk through the process of what it's like to order blinds online, what's possible, how that all works. So I really do hope that you enjoy this episode and the next one. Let's listen to my first part of my conversation with Evan Montero from DIY Blinds right now. Well, Evan, it's fantastic to have you here. We've been trying to tee this up for a while. I'm super excited to be sharing you and uh, your brilliant company with the UA community because I know that this is something that so many people leave on the back burner and uh, really miss huge opportunities to integrate into their design really well. So perhaps, Evan, you can tell us where are you from and how did you actually start this business? Why did you start this business the way that you did? Uh, And I mean, it's grown rapidly. So, you know, just give us a little bit of background. Hey, Amelia. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Evan from DIY Blinds and Essena. Uh, we are a disruptive e-commerce business that's selling quality window furnishings to the broader market via e-commerce. We do do measure and install for those who aren't comfortable doing it themselves, but we're basically the Uber and Netflix of the blinds industry. What we're trying to do is disrupt it digitally. Um, and by doing so, we're able to offer customers a uh, much better value or value proposition by offering them quality window furnishings at a lower price. It'll be faster and it's direct from the factory. So unlike brick and mortar uh, retailers, we don't have commissions to salespeople. We don't have expensive overheads such as showrooms or leases scattered throughout Australia. We've grown rapidly. Uh, we are a startup. We are a digital company. Uh, like I said, we're like the koala or Netflix or Uber of the blinds industry. So it's been exciting. It's been a journey. We're ready to scale. We've worked with some amazing people. Some of our projects have made it on Grand Design, um, different magazines, different TV, like on Foxtel. We've worked on a few different uh, TV Renault shows, whether it's The Block or um, I don't know. There's quite a few out there. But it's been amazing. It's been a great journey. And what I'm particularly excited to speak to someone like yourself, familiar about is tackling conversations with customers so that they start thinking of window furnishings ahead of time. There are some really great ideas that you can execute if you plan ahead of time, something that you're only able to do at the drawing board. By thinking of window furnishings during the design phase, you're able to save a lot of money. There's there's some really cool things that you're able to do, whether it's built-in pelmets, motorization, home automation, making sure that you have enough space for curtains, roller blinds, or a combination of both. If you have a floating TV cabinet, you're able to recess it far enough back, where you're locating your heater, all these really cool things that you're able to to think of ahead of time. But when you come to the build stage and if you're thinking of window furnishings just before you move in, it's probably too late. 
or it's a very expensive exercise to then move things around or replaster or, or just change things. Um, yeah, so a very exciting proposition to start to have those conversations with yourself and the broader market ahead of time. Yeah, and I think this is the thing that's really underestimated about the design and the inclusion of window furnishings is that um, it is a big mistake that a lot of people make. I see a lot of people in the UI community, they're either designing their own homes and taking them straight to a draftsperson, or they may be working with an architect or a building designer, but they don't necessarily have the conversation about what window furnishings they might want to include as part of that design brief. It is that afterthought, It's and it's, it's often, you know, sometimes it might be, oh, we'll see if we've got the budget for it, we'll see if we... You know, it's one of those things like landscaping can get dropped off the list as a budget saving strategy right at the very end. But I, there, there is that thing of you just miss out on huge opportunities to really integrate your window furnishings in a really seamless way so that they don't just seem like this plonk effect at the end of your project where you've got things, just blinds being fixed to the tops of, you know, windows and, you know, you don't have space to fully pull them back off the edge of the glazing. Exactly. You've invested all this money in to create this beautiful indoor-outdoor connection and then it's permanently hidden by, you know, a foot of curtains at either end of it um, because you didn't allow the space. Are these the kinds of mistakes that you're seeing people get disappointed by when they do come to you at the end of the process you know they've finished their home they've moved back in and the window furnishing something that they think of is that sort of the main mistakes and are there others that you see homeowners making most definitely um, these mistakes recur quite often too often things that they could have avoided earlier on uh, especially with the curtains not fully stacking off of their windows and some customers loving these trapezium windows for master bedrooms that are floor to ceiling but then you think about it well how am I going to actually do this? There's no roller blind that runs sideways and they're not going to want a vertical blind, which is the most common solution. And then if you do a block out curtain and it's wall to wall windows, that means that you're going to have a stack of 25%, meaning you lose, you physically lose 25% of that window forever. Whereas if you have those uh, considerations ahead of time, you're able to find solutions that are a lot more cost effective and aesthetically beautiful so that you don't lose that connection with the outdoor, as you said. Um, Something that I find interesting is that customers know how important natural light is in regards to styling their home. They'll speak in length with their architects about natural light. There is no substitute for natural light. Um, it's kind of like salt, the way it flavors your food. There's, if, you, if you think about the way it illuminates natural stone and highlights textures and timbers, contrast matte materials that are further emphasized by natural light, and also the health factor, like there's so many studies proven that how natural light will affect your mood and your energy. Um, window furnishings ties into that. So if you're going to take the time to plan out your lighting, uh, your electrical lighting um, or your, your man-made lighting, if you're going to take the time to plan out with your architect which way your glazier should face to maximize the light or the view, you should also take the time to think about your window furnishing. And like you said, making sure that it integrates seamlessly with your design, that it complements all the beautiful aesthetics that you have or design elements, and it's not a burden. Um, at the end of the day, people have minimum requirements for particular rooms, whether it's blocking out the light, diffusing the light, making sure there's no glare on the TV, no glare on the computer screen. Um, but at the same time, they don't want it to interrupt, especially with that outdoor-indoor connection. And they don't want it to be jarring visually when it comes to the design aesthetics that's gone into the home. Because it's too often that you have a uh, beautiful courtyard and a living room connection. So much thought has gone into the connectivity of the two and how it flows seamlessly from indoor and outdoor, which is very popular. However, they have this reality check when the sun's beaming through and, and you feel this nasty UV rays on your skin, that burning sensation. Um, or you, 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 you've gone through the trouble of recessing your TV and you're like, well, this isn't going to work. What am I going to do? Yeah. It, it, you can save yourself a lot of heartache and a lot of uh, money by taking these into consideration when you're speaking to your architect or your designer ahead of time. And you can always send us floor plans prior to getting them approved, and we can always give you recommendations. So we're always there to help. That's fantastic. And I think this is really the difference. I, you know, I see more and more as I work with homeowners who are not necessarily involving an architect or a building designer um, and are not getting to have these kinds of conversations. And as I said, not all architects and building designers elicit these types of conversations with their clients either. There's, it's, it, it's not an expensive thing to include this detail at the construction stage, you know, and at, as part of your documentation. Um, 
and often just requires a lot of forethought about how these things are going to be integrated, but it can make such a massive difference in the high-end look and feel of a home that's had this level of thought and detail. You see when you look at projects where where curtains and blinds have given somewhere somewhere to go, where there's not that clash of light switches sitting behind where the curtain pulls back to. There's, you know, or doors not opening properly because they're opening onto where all the curtains pull back. And, you know, all of those kinds of things, a roller blind being sort of a last resort and it's just tapping every time the sliding door is open, open. You just yeah. hear the blind tapping all the time. Um, chains not having anywhere to be located. You know, somebody not realising that, they really needed a, a blind motorised or, you know, that type of thing and just didn't put in the accommodation for it. All of those things, like you say, are so much, they're so straightforward and cost effective to include at the design phase. And yeah, and because they forget forgotten, they're then very cost prohibitive after construction is finished and so make, yet yeah, can just make such a seamless difference in the in that level of feel about the home. It's really, I just find it amazing to see how much it elevates the quality and feel of a home when these things are thought about. I just wanted to add to what you were saying earlier. I think from my experience, the crux of the problem is that many people think of curtains and blinds as a way of keeping light out. But when choosing the window furnishings, what they should really consider is how much they want the light to come in. And there's a difference between how much light you need and how much privacy you need to achieve. Because in a living room, for example, you might need privacy, but you want a lot of light to come through. You can pick a heavier shear with a tighter weave. No one's going to be able to see through day or night, but you're going to have a lot of light flood through or a light filtering roller blind if you're on a budget. There's just so many different variables that you're able to pick and choose um, from the beginning that will allow you to achieve a much better result down the track. And I think what's great is that window furnishings, um, they not only, it's as you say, it's not just about blocking the light out, um, but it's about figuring out how much light you want to let in, determining the level of privacy that you want to achieve. And then there's also a whole aesthetic layer that comes with the inclusion of window furnishings that can completely change the style of your home too. You can have, you know, soft flowing curtains in your bedroom to make it look one way, or you could have, um, you know, vertical blinds or some type of panelized blind or a roller blind or something like that that completely changes the aesthetic and feel of the room so it's when you're thinking about your interior design holistically then thinking about your window furnishings like you choose your kitchen bench it's as much as part of the palette and the flavor of the colors and the textures and the feel and the style that you're seeking to achieve in your interiors as well and the thing with the window furnishings is that they then can be seen sometimes depending on the type that you use and how your home's designed they can be seen from the exterior as well and so you know I I grew up in a house where I lived in the bedroom that was at the very front of the house my mum wouldn't put my brother in that room because she wanted nice curtains in that room because you could see the curtains from the street so <laughs> it's this thing of like and it's it is this whole other opportunity of of how your interior design gets reflected externally and how the style of your home gets expressed as well so this is really awesome Evan because I know that you guys have got loads and loads of different types of products on your website you pretty much cover every base when it comes to window furnishings so we're going to go through them one by one and if you can just help people understand you know what they really need to consider with the the different selections and um, and what some of the constraints might be around choosing different types. So we've got, of course, blinds first. And when we look at blinds, we've got roller blinds, double, Roman, Venetian, vertical, panel glide and linked. So some of this is going to be terminology that's not familiar to people. It's really easy to jump onto the DIY Online Blinds website and have a look at lots of information there to explain what the various um, types might mean. What do people need to know about? I see, like, I see one constraint with uh, with blinds in particular is the maximum widths and the maximum drops that can catch people out. What are some of these types of things that people need to consider if they're choosing blinds? If you're choosing blinds, there is really no maximum drop. We can go taller, but you need to reach out to us. It's a custom order. We need to have industrial base rails and industrial tubes so that we avoid the fabric doing warping or doing funny things once you get to drops past three metres. Um, in regards to maximum widths, maximum width is three meters. The rolls of the fabrics normally comes in three meters. It's a very crude analogy or metaphor, but think of toilet paper. It comes three meters wide or Christmas gift wrapping paper. It comes three meters wide. Hence why the fat maximum width of a roller blind is three meters wide. We can railroad the fabric for you. Again, that's a custom order. You'd have to reach out to us. Um, but you need to take into consideration the fabric that you're selecting. 
because textures and the way the, the waves work, it might not be appropriate if it's railroaded. What does those railroaded, don't know what mean? railroaded oh, mean? Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> railroaded, think of the, uh, an A4 piece of paper, portrait versus landscape. We basically turn that roll of toilet paper sideways and then cut the fabric. If you railroad a fabric, it does limit the drop to three meters. Um, I'll shoot Amelia a bunch of uh, text and images and maximum and minimum, some pretty cool things that you can achieve with oversized windows. Um, it's definitely good to consider link blinds. Um, we call them easy link. Link blinds are great because you're able to link two, three, six blinds together and minimize the gap between them. This is a very common solution for stacker doors, bifold doors. So very common in living areas where you have large expanses of glass. Um, there's two critical things to think about link blinds, and that's making sure that you, when you're joining the blinds, you're joining it to match your window frame. So you might have a vertical mullion that separates the glass, whether it's a sliding door or a bifold door. And the reason for this is so that the gap between the blinds is A, smaller with a link blind, and B, there's no window pane that's uh, not covered. Basically, the, the, link, the gap between the blinds sits over your mullion, which is also another term for your window frame. Um, same thing for plantation shutters or any other type of window furnishings. It's really important that you're able to customize your window furnishing, that it suits your specific window, whether it's a double-hung window, an awning window, bifold, bypass. Um, and if you're not sure, even if you're at planning stage, feel free to give us a call and we, we can guide you through it. Um, Roller blinds, the other thing to consider with roller blinds, many, many people think that you, they just come out in block out because they've probably only gone to you know, Bunnings or wherever and they're, they're ready-made. The thing to think about roller blinds when you're getting them custom-made versus ready-made is that they fit perfectly. It's not jarring. There's no gap of window that, that exposes you so you're losing privacy or that you're going to um, lose heat in summer or it's going to let a lot of cold air come in in winter. By having it custom-made, not only is it aesthetically beautiful but it's also designed to purpose so it will suit your family better the last thing i'll touch about roller blinds is you also have block out sunscreen and light filtering roller blinds a block out roller blind will help you block out the light and if you choose a thermal insulating roller blind with an acrylic backing it'll help you keep the heat in in winter and keep the heat out in summer um, a block out roller blind is great for perhaps bedrooms or any or media rooms, any place where you just want it to be completely dark and you want to achieve 100% privacy day or night. However, if you're wanting to man maintain the connectivity with your outdoors and you want to maintain your view but still receive some privacy or stop the UV rays and harshness hitting your furniture, so that bleaching effect on your, on your carpet, um, you might want to consider sunscreen. Suns well, sunscreen roller blinds will give you privacy during the day, but at nighttime when the light is stronger outside your home, then inside your home, you're going to lose that privacy. So for windows facing your backyards where it doesn't matter as much, sunscreens might be perfect. Um, and then you have the third one, which is actually my favorite, which many people actually don't consider, and that's a light filtering roller blind. A light filtering roller blind will give you privacy day or night. They are similar to a sheer curtain in that they will diffuse the light beautifully. So you get this nice natural glow and it'll evenly diffuse the light throughout the room. Um, images that I'll send through to Amelia that she'll share with, with you um, will show you that what you're able to achieve is you're able to block out the view. So if, think of windows facing unsightly things, whether you're in a double story and you can see down to a home that still needs to be renovated potentially, or you have annoying neighbors that you want to block out, or even windows down a side of the home where you haven't really done anything with the fence or planted or done anything nice and you just want to block it out, but you want ma maximum light to come in. Very common in living areas. Light filtering is the best way to go. However, there's always a compromise between privacy, how much light you get, and then transparency. There's a difference between an opaque blind, a translucent blind, and a transparent blind, which we'll touch on later. Um, the best way to get maximum control is double roller blinds. So you're able to connect um, maybe a blockout roller blind with a sunscreen and get the benefits of both. Or potentially, um, if I could jump straight to it, Amelia, is maybe a blockout roller blind with a sheer curtain, which is the most popular combination at the moment. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's probably what we do 70% of the time, especially in living areas and bedrooms, actually. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, um, 
in the second house that we renovated, I did double roller blinds that were a sunshading one and then a solid block out. And it was so flexible in terms of just how we could manipulate them based on whether we were just wanting to completely darken the room or we were wanting some privacy. Um, and, you know, just as the sun moved around that space at different times of the day, we might be in there watching TV and, you know, the sun would hit a particular angle and you could just manipulate what you were doing. And it's great to have that kind of flexibility with the blinds that you're using. Also, you can obviously choose whether they roll outwards or inwards, can't you, in terms of how far close they sit to the glazing. So do you see people getting confused by which to choose in terms of, you know, what they're trying to achieve? Yeah. For those that aren't able to picture what we're talking about here, I'm going to use the crude example of toilet paper again. Whether or not you have the toilet paper rolling forward like a waterfall or whether you have it rolling backwards. Um, do check out the images that I'm going to send to Amelia because I think it'll help a lot of people choose the right roll direction for them. The roll direction needs to be considered in combination whether or not whether you're doing a recess fit or a base fit. So a recess fit, for those that don't know, is where you have your roller blinds sitting within the window reveal so it doesn't protrude. A face fit, it protrudes because it sits on your architrave. If you have square set cornices, then it's going to sit on the outside of your window reveal. Um, the reason why this is important is because if you have a face fit, you want it to be rolling backwards. That way, the fabric sits close to the wall or your architraves, minimizing the amount of light that seeps through, and you don't have that gap, so it's not a privacy concern. If you're recess fitting your roller blinds, you want to make sure that your roller blinds are front rolled. That way, they sit um, flush with your wall. Unless you're wanting a recess fit um, and you don't want the blind to protrude, hence why you're going recess fit versus face fit, but your, your, your main criteria is to block out light, then go a recess fit and back roll. There's just a lot of different considerations that you need to make. And what I'm going to send through to Amelia is a bunch of photos so that you're able to choose. I'm going to, I'm going to revert back to double roller blinds because something that many designers do but few customers know about, so this is a big tip, is combining a recess fit roller blind with a face fit roller blind. What you're able to do is combine a blockout roller blind with a back roll and then a recess fit roller blind, whether it's a sunscreen or a light filtering, front rolled. Um, image here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pop it on the blog. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, look, do, do check it out. It's a fantastic uh, minimalistic effect that you're able to achieve. Um, you're able to, rather than have a double roller blind protrude all the way out, you're able to minimize that protrusion, but at the same time, it's very stylish and it's minimal. And then people are going to ask me, oh, do I put a helmet over the top? If it's a period home and it suits the aesthetics, go for it. But if it's a modern home, you don't need a helmet. It's old school. However, if it suits your aesthetics, go for it. We do sell them. Um, but I personally don't like them. I think that the designer roller blinds that we have have end caps. As you can see on the photos, do check out Amelia's blog. You'll see that they look beautiful without a helmet. They're not an eyesore. Many people have concerns that... What they're buying from us is maybe something from uh, Ikea or Bunnings. Am I allowed to name other brands? <laughs> Ready-made blinds. Ready-made blinds that just are hideous straight out of the package. These aren't them. Yeah. And I think that's the thing when you see what custom blinds can do in terms of the millimetre fit that you can get. Um, and as you say, you do do a site measure option for people who aren't confident, but your website's got fantastic instructions for people who want to measure and just order online. And they can always check with you that they're making the right choices. I think that... It, it's just streets uh, ahead of going somewhere and trying to pick something that's already ready-made. Um, unless you've actually sized your windows to accommodate ready-made blinds, then you're far better off just going with custom and getting that perfect snug fit because it does make such a difference to the thermal performance, how the blind, you know, how, how the window furnishings can keep that, you know, heat in. You know, I find that it's, it's one of those fantastic, very simple uh, devices in terms of passively heating and cooling a home that particularly in winter – you know, before the temperature starts to drop too much outside that you do walk around and you just close all the blinds down and all of a sudden you're keeping that warmth that you've been soaking in from outside, you know, with your correctly oriented house, you're keeping it inside the home and you're not letting it just disappear through the glass. So it, um, and the same thing with summer, keeping that hot air outside and uh, protecting your home in that way. It's, you know, it's really worthwhile seeing how well this can help your home perform thermally too. Now, uh, Roman blinds and Venetian blinds, is there anything in particular that people need to know? I know Venetian blinds have got a bit of a, 
uh, there is some hesitancy from people to use them because they don't necessarily like the aesthetic of them, but they have come a long way. They look far more elegant than they did um, with the Venetian blinds that we grew up with. Yeah. <laughs> and Roman blinds too, they certainly had their heyday at some point and, uh, and aren't seen as, I suppose, as regularly as some other window furnishing choices, but it's great for people who might be seeking this kind of aesthetic in their home. What do people need to know about these types of choices for their blinds? Venetian blinds, there's two main types. There's an aluminium Venetian blind or a visual with Venetian blind, which is made out of faux timber. Um, it's, it's really suitable for wet areas um, if you're not wanting to fit a plantation shutter or, or in a bit of a budget. I think that they're still aesthetically very beautiful. The aluminium Venetian blinds are slim light. I've seen so many high-end architects use them. They do have a place. Uh, you want to make sure you get a quality slimline Venetian so that the headboard where the Venetian operates isn't too thick and cumbersome and it's not jarring to the eye. Um, I'll, I'll send a bunch of photos for Dan and Danny's project that we work on that incorporated vision with Venetians in the kitchen uh, and the living areas. All of our vision with Venetians come with a pelmet, whether it's recess fit or face fit, so you can't see the head box. And I suppose the biggest difference with our Venetians is you can go 60 millimeter slats. So for those that really want plantation shutters but are on a bit of a budget, which can happen when you get towards the end of the build, vision with Venetians are a great substitute. You get the same effect, you get the same dramatic feel with shadow play that you get with a shutter or a Venetian, and you still get total control of the light. Um, the only thing I'll say is a lot of people get turned off by Venetians or Romans even because of what they see on the shelf. It is not the same. There, there needs to be a clear distinguish difference between ready-made blinds and custom-made blinds. Um, a lot of people do say they sell custom-made blinds and all they're doing is buying three-meter blinds from overseas in a container and then just cutting it down. If there's no guarantee that the, the fabric's not going to fray for Romans or for, for Venetians that is custom-made, then I'd suggest it's not custom-made. But that's a, that's a whole different topic. Um, but there is there's a different level of quality. And honestly, because we're able to save customers so much money because we don't have all those other overheads, there's very little difference in costs with ready-made blinds and custom-made blinds by buying through our channel and the way that, um, that we operate. Touching on Roman blinds, Roman blinds are exciting. Roman blinds, um, we're going to introduce soft Roman blinds probably in February. We currently do Roman blinds that are uh, within our roller blind fabrics that are soft. Check out the Barbados range. It's my favorite. Roman blinds have a place for Hamptons, which is definitely making a comeback, or if you have a beach home. Um, Roman blinds need to be a face fit. There are some people who want Roman blinds that are a recess fit. The only thing that I'll say with Roman blinds being a recess fit is you're dealing with the drapery. A Roman blind starts to fit into a drapery similar to a curtain. You need to think about the, the fabric dropping. If you think about Roman blinds with the loops that they make, they're going to be tightly wound when they get first get made, but later on they're going to start to drop. The other more important consideration with Roman blinds is if you have multiple Roman blinds in the same room, you need to let us know. That way we make sure that those horizontal lines with the stitching, with the battens behind, they all line up. There is nothing more irritating when I walk into a hotel, because we do a lot of commercial jobs, and I'm looking at these Roman blinds that we're replacing, and they're all at different lines. It makes me queasy. I've seen that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but just little, it's the little things that you're able to do um, that makes a, a big difference aesthetically. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, this is the thing is that you, I think that a lot of people probably have experienced some pretty low cost, um, you know, off the shelf products and with Venetians and Romans, they suck because the winding, you know, the lifting mechanism of, of it having to catch on the little uh, gears inside the yeah. helmet, if that's not good quality, you're going to be constantly, I mean, I've stood there, stood there, you know, pull, 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 <laughs> trying to get it into the right position and getting it to latch and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's, if you are going down that route, you want to invest in in a decent quality one that is not going to give you those headaches in terms of its physical operation. Yeah. And, you know, that's great advice about uh, understanding that they're all going to be in one space together because Roman blinds do have a lovely elegance to them when they're installed well and you get all those horizontals lining up. If you don't, it just looks horrible. Yeah. So, yeah. And I'm not just referring, Amelia, to windows that are next to each other that are the same size. I'm talking about windows with multiple sizes in the same room. It could be across from each other it could be adjacent to the next wall like it, it's so critical that they line up but um yeah these, these are things that we can help you out with <laughs> um, what else about roman blinds with roman blinds also consider combining them it's so often that people will get a sheer roman blind um 
or a Roman blind that's a light filtering, so it'll let light through, but then they'll combine it with a blockout roller blind behind as a recess fit, and then the Roman blinds will sit as a face fit. Uh, it's really good if you're looking at Hampton's style type of uh, design or aesthetics, perfect solution. And how are you helping homeowners with motorization when it comes to their roller blinds and other types of blinds? And Rome. Um, we're going to be launching motorization mid to end jam. We already do it now quite a bit for our commercial and our high-end homes that we work on, but you'll be able to order them online. Because of the volume we do, like we'll do the Grand Hyatt, we'll do a lot of hotels and we're talking 400 rooms plus or even hotels. We've done a lot of things, universities, government departments. Because we order a lot of volume for motorization, we, we arguably get the best pricing um, in Australia. And we don't sell you inferior motors that are going to be too noisy or that are going to fall apart on you. We sell Somfy uh, Motors, which is the leader in the space. If anyone's yeah, an architect. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we sell it for a lot less than what the brick-and-mortar retailers do, and we're able to supply it for you already installed. Um, good tip for those who are building, we can send you out the Molex cables. Molex cables are the connections for any of the home automation motors. Um, to your electrician while you're in the rough-in stage, meaning that you don't have to worry about the plaster being up and then the electrician trying to figure out how he's going to get power to that particular spot. Um, we can help you out with, through your floor plans, dictate, all right, we need a Molex cable here, here, and here. We'll send that out to you ahead of time, and then you can kind of install that during the rough-in stage prior to plastering. Um, good tip to save money during the build stage. Um, home automation for the for motorized roller blinds, we have a really cool project that we've partnered up with LifeX. Um, LifeX is an Australian brand for lighting. They're found in Apple stores. Um, they're all over the world. We're going to be creating a motorized home automation system that sits across all three platforms, which are the majors, Amazon, Google, and Amazon, Google, who am I missing? And Apple, HomeKit. So you'll be able to use all three platforms simultaneously. No hubs, straight to Wi-Fi. Instead of 57 steps to program it'll be five steps wow um, it's amazing so i think the biggest barrier to home automation actually is that you need to be kind of geeky or tech savvy to be able to get it to run because everything in the market is so convoluted and then i'm not sure if you've ever touched Amelia on c bus systems or control four you're talking about twenty thirty thousand dollar systems that's hardwired into your home they are it's a big so investment antiquated. yeah be, uh, and they call it home automation but they're hardwired they're not wi-fi so you're not future-proofing yourself in regards to tech that comes out. But with LifeX, which will launch in June next year, Q2 2020, you'll be able to future-proof yourself with Wi-Fi motors. You won't need um, any hubs or to go through any protocol systems. And to kind of give clarity as to why it's so important that it, it's multi-platform functional, unfortunately, Amazon, Apple, all the brands out there at the moment, they build end-to-end -end systems. So they want you to be invested in their ecosystem and you're locked in. So if you if you buy an Apple phone, you buy an Apple laptop, you buy an Apple TV and you buy Apple everything because the second you get something Google or Amazon, it doesn't talk to each other. So you need three, four more hubs to automate everything. What we're doing is we're kind of democratizing it by yeah, making it cross-platform through LifeX, which is fantastic. And what's the most exciting thing is a Wi-Fi battery motor, which will be the world's first, is going to allow you to future-proof your home. You don't need wiring. And the batteries will last 12 to 18 months. You recharge it with wow. a USB-C charger, and it will be less than what any of the motors are out there in the market. Oh, that's yeah. exciting. We'll have to keep our eyes peeled for that because I know I there are lots of people in the UA community who, who are looking into home automation, but it does. It gets very confusing very, very quickly. Um, it's something that I always say to people, look, if you are looking at it, you need to bring somebody, you know, somebody in the industry on board to see because it can start to feel like uh, you just start to scratch the surface of all the things that are possible and get very uh, confused, you know, and not know whether to go the Wi-Fi route or to go the hardwired route and have that kind of, um, you know, a home station or the CBUS system in your home. And I think that yet we've got all these other layers of technology that are happening in our lives that the, you know, even to the simple fact that you can go and buy a Wi-Fi light bulb these days and run that off an app in your phone and people are replacing individual light bulbs in their homes. So I think it's really exciting to think about how we can start to pre-program then particular scenarios in our house. If when coming home late, we can know that the blinds have been dropped and the certain lights are on and all of that kind of stuff. And it'll yeah. be, and from a security point of view as well, to be able to do that if you're away on holidays right. or, you know. You you're spot on. Yeah. You're spot on. 
the, the most exciting thing, which I shouldn't really be talking about, I'll, I'll give your, your listeners a, a heads up as to what we're doing, is that our, light, our motors will actually have light sensors in them. So you can either do two, one or two things. You can connect it to the Bureau of Meteorology and your blinds will go up and down depending on the forecast in your particular city. Wow. So this will be the same for the hotel jobs that we're doing. So the blinds will go up and down, not when it's already hit 40 degrees that day, but if it's forecasted at 40 degrees, that morning the blinds are going to go down. The blockout blinds are going to go down. It will keep the heat out. That way you're not having to spend a fortune air conditioning the place and getting it cool. It will help keep it cool. Same thing on the reverse when it becomes um, winter. You can, yeah, it'll it, – I think the problem with home automation is that a lot of it is gimmicky currently in the market and it hinders you from living your life. What we're trying to do is have home automation empower you to not have to think about all of those things. Because it's going to be connected to LifeX, which already does lights, it'll have a sensor that calculates lumen, uh, kelvins uh, in your space, which is a measurement of light. It'll be able to change your light settings in terms of how bright they are. The blinds will go up and down. You can set different modes or functions, whether you're hosting a cocktail party or your son's 18th birthday party or whether or not it's a weekend and you just want to sleep in. Um, and it'll also learn to, yeah, it, the AI in it is going to be amazing in terms of what it's going to be able to learn the patterns and routines. And it'll be all voice activation empowered through either, again, Google, Alexa or Siri. Wow. Um, Evan, that just and, sounds brilliant. So as soon as I said Siri, the iPad starts. <laughs> <laughs> started wanting to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. that's, 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 it's a, it should be out there. And the technology that we're putting in it, because it's Wi-Fi, all the motors at the, the moment is three generations old. It's radio frequency. So then you literally need to buy a hub that converts that radio frequency to Wi-Fi. It should be Wi-Fi from the outset. So we're very excited to be launching that. Oh, I can't wait to see it. We'll have to get you back on to have a chat about it when, uh, when it's all out into the world. Yeah. So that's brilliant. Beautiful. All right. Uh, now, can we talk about curtains? Because we're yes. touching on them and talking about shear and block out. So, obviously, curtains, um, they're almost like dressing the home. They're a whole other fabric choice. They're a whole other color choice. Um, they have a certain um, uh, level of dynamism, I suppose, in the character that they can give a room. Um, but, obviously, choosing the right fabric, choosing the right arrangement, understanding that thing that we were talking about, being able to slide them right off, whether you do think about how they are fixed at the top. Um, yeah. what, are, what are the kinds of things that people need to consider perhaps when it comes to selecting curtains, thinking about their track types, um, the drop lengths, all of those kinds of things? You, you, you've touched on a few big topics there. Um, cur curtains are probably the rules royce of window furnishing alongside plantation shutters. It, it definitely reflects that when it comes to costs. But don't don't, uh, how do I say this? Don't buy cheap curtains because you might as well not do it at all. You want your curtains to add value to your home and add a certain feel and effect. And otherwise, you, you might as well just hang up shower curtains or, or a blanket. I'll give you an example. <laughs> I'll give you an example. We don't skip on, on fabrics and any good manufacturer will not skip on fabrics because you want that plushness or fullness. So make sure that you're getting 2.2 meters of fabric for every meter of track. There's too many retailers out there saying this is the best price, this is the best price, but that's because they're either giving you 1.8 meters of fabric for every meter of track or 1.6 meters of fabric for every meter of track. I've seen that, yep. And specifically, S-fold headings are the most popular at the moment, which I'll touch on in a second, but if you're going to do an S-fold at 1.6, 1.8 meters of fullness, you might as well just get a sheet of blanket and just hang that up because you're not getting the same effect. So the reason why S-folds are popular, which is – probably 90% of the curtains that we sell are two reasons. One, it's structured. It's effortless luxury. So unlike pinch pleat, knife pleats, or other heading types for curtains that are traditional, they're not structured. You might see them in, in glossy magazines or on TV and they look fabulous, but what you don't see is the half an hour someone spent dressing that curtain, <laughs> physically manipulating it with their hands and fighting gravity. And um, running the steamer down it. <laughs> and running the steamer down. Whereas S-fold curtains, once you've installed it and you've had the S-fold running from the heading down, it's done. You can open and close the curtains. You might be required to dress it maybe once a year. Um, whereas the other traditional headings types, you're probably dressing once a week or every time you entertain. Depends how long you can uh, live with the curtains being all messy. But it is a draper. You are fighting gravity unless it's a structured heading type such as an S-fold curtain. So effortless luxury, it's one of the biggest reasons why it's so popular. The second reason why it's uh, very popular at the moment or making a, a resurgence is because of these beautiful long vertical lines. They elongate your walls and they can make small or big spaces appear even larger. Space is 3D. It's a bigger secret a designer will have up their sleeve because space is 3D. It's the reason why architects will say, okay, it's a small space, let's increase the ceiling height. 
if you can if you can give the illusion that your height is taller than what it really is, it makes the space look and feel more grand. Um, and that's what sheer curtains can do in an S-fold setting, especially in a small space. I can't tell you how many designers will default to an S-fold sheet curtain when they have a small space to consider or contemplate. Um, I don't know. Again, check out Amelia's blog because I will send a, a bunch of photos that will help you uh, visualize what I'm referring to. So again, it's effortless luxury. You don't have to dress it. Um, and then also in terms of what it does to your space. Not only do you get that softness of the light, but you also get that softness of a sheer curtain uh, against hard textures, whether it's the ceiling or flooring, unless you've got carpet. But if you've got hard textures like concrete floors, tiles, timber, sheer curtains are amazing. In terms of how far to keep your curtains off the floor or to have them what we call puddling, so sitting on the floor, it's a battle between functionality and aesthetics. If you have young kids and pets, have it just off the floor. It will save you so much headache. Um, your designer, if you're working with an interior designer, will probably say, no, no, I want it puddling at least 20 mil to 50 mil. Puddling means that it sits on the floor by 20 to 50 millimeters. Even some designers will say 100 to 200 millimeters, depending on um, the aesthetics that you're going for. The reason why I say off the floor is because it won't collect dust, especially on hard surface. It's not moving dust and fur from your pets around, and it will save you so much headache. If you have a puddling, the other risk with young ones is that they step on it. Um, <laughs> that's the reality, that you can't really control what kids are going to do, especially if it's not your kids. <laughs> um, but puddling is good if you are looking for a designer finish and you have very well-disciplined kids. Um, the reason being is because you have the softness of the shears that looks like heavenly, like it's like clouds, you're floating, is, is the, the common description customers will give us once we've installed those shear curtains. However, by having them uh, puddling on the floor, they look like they're weighty. So that juxtaposition between something that looks heavy yet floating and airy, it, it's, it's an amazing aesthetic finish that you're able to achieve. And from a functional perspective, it diffuses the light beautifully. And again, depending on the weave, so how tightly woven the fabric is that you've, you've selected, you'll get different levels of privacy. Um, it's a very tactile and people are probably wondering, well, how do I choose my fabrics? You can either jump online and order them via our website. They're free. They're express posted to you, so you should get them for next day delivery. In terms of getting all, some samples? Yeah, samples yep. for roller blinds, curtains, anything. Jump on our website, get the samples. We always recommend you to stick your tape to your window. That, you're, that way you're able to see it, um, what it's affording you in terms of privacy and how much light it's giving you. And for sheet curtains, it shows you the shadow play, especially for textured sheet curtains. And please, if you get the samples and stick your tape into your window, Take the effort to walk outside the home and see what they look like from the outside because it makes such a big impact to your curbside appeal. Um, yeah, I, that's the biggest recommendation I can give you for that. The, the other thing I can say for sheer curtains, oh, that's so popular. If, if you want to know what's um, trending or what we do most of at the moment, it's definitely sheer curtains in S-fold shears. Every designer, architect, builder that we're working with, that's exactly what they're after. And if you're needing privacy or blockout, so if you're putting them in your bedroom, again, combine it with a blockout roller blind. It'll afford you both. Um, the sheet curtains always sit in the front because they're the hero, and then the blockout roller blinds behind. Now, if you have an extended budget and you're fortunate enough to do that, you can always select a double curtain where you have a blockout curtain and then a sheet curtain. It's very common that people say, well, doesn't the blockout curtain sit in front of the sheer? When we do hotel jobs, that's the case. Because people staying in hotels generally don't care about the hotel and will treat it like as if it's someone else's house because it is and that will just be very rough with it. Blockout curtains can be more durable, hence why they sit at the front for hotels. But generally what designers will do is have the sheet curtains sit at the front and then that the blockout curtains sit at the back because the sheet curtain is the hero. The blockout curtain or the blockout roller blind, whatever you're having at the back, is purely functional. The sheet curtain will be closed generally all the time and then the blockout curtain or the blockout roller blind will either be closed or open when you're wanting to either achieve light blockout or privacy. Um, so again, think about what's the hero, whether what's sitting at the front versus what's sitting at the back. And that's how it goes the same for double roller blinds, Romans combined with roller blinds or anything that you're combining together. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's a fantastic rundown. And I think curtains do feel like a really luxurious choice. It's nice to think of the fact that a combination might be the solution of you managing your budget in terms of getting that sheer sort of floaty romantic feel, but getting the blockout blinds. You know, oh, yeah, some beautiful words. Way. Yeah. Romantic. So. It is definitely soft and romantic. 
I think that the other stigma with sheer curtains is that they're very expensive and you can only afford them in multi-million dollar um, homes or you can only see them in luxurious hotels. It's no longer the case. Check out our prices um, and Amelia's UA, under, uh, Undercover Architect members, they'll get a special discount uh, that's exclusive to the UA members and we're already competitive as it is. I'll give you an example. For sheer curtains, um, where it's a high-end home, some of the images that I'll display there, we always come back 30 40% cheaper than most of our competitors. Um, to give you context, plantation shutters that we make right here in Australia in seven days, we sell it at 325 a square metre. You have some big brands out there who are also making Australian-made shutters, selling it at six to $700 a square metre. Um, as long as you're comparing apples for apples, we guarantee to beat any price and provide you the best value. Um, just don't come to me with an Ikea blind that's already fraying as soon as you pull it out of the packet because it's not the same. <laughs> uh, we use quality components. And again, even the 2.2 meters for every meter of track, we don't skip on fabric because we do honestly sell. Majority of our customers are actually designers and architects, people who are recurring buyers or suppliers who choose us as a supplier, I should say. They're designers and architects, and we would not tarnish our reputation. The irony, Amelia, is that we're called DIY blinds. I wish I thought of it earlier. There is a bit of a stigma that it's cheap, that it's made from China. But look at our lead time. Plantation shutters in seven days. I'm going to try and get curtains down to seven days next year. Currently, it's at two to three weeks. During the Christmas time, it might blow out to four. But just to give people context, plantation shutters are normally six to eight weeks. And during Chinese New Year's, because most of the plantation shutters come from overseas, you're looking at 12 weeks. She curtains, eight weeks. For, for a quality workroom, you're probably looking at eight weeks. But again, because of the volume that we buy at, we're able to get special treatment with certain workrooms, and we actually buy rolls of fabric. So unlike other retailers who don't get that much volume, they'll be buying cuttings from the textile houses of specific fabrics that they require. We'll be out there buying rolls, like 300-meter rolls of fabric. And the difference in cost for buying a roll of fabric versus a cutting is astronomical. And again, we pass all those savings to um, not only UA uh, members, but to, to everyone that we work with. Um, the other... One really exciting thing that's, I suppose, really exciting for people who are working with designers and architects is if you have a fabric that's been specified by your designer or architect and it's not on our website, the chances are that we'll be able to source it for you. So we have trade accounts um, with all the major textile houses, whether it's Mokum, James Dunlop, Westbury, Warwick, Zappel, Charles Parson. Um, we'll be able to source that fabric to you and we don't make money off of the purchase of the fabric. We'll pass all of our trade discounts to you so you can also not have to pay retail. So if you do find the fabric that you're after from a showroom or through your designer that's gone on our website, just let us know because there's a very good chance um, that we'll be able to still supply it for you. That's awesome, Evan. I love a company that's shaking up the industry. It is very, yeah. very bricks and mortar, isn't it? And uh, I think that the construction industry has been ripe for disruption on so many fronts. I interviewed Floss Kelly from Tile Cloud on the podcast. Oh, she's great. And, uh, and just to he see the success they've had at disrupting the tiling industry, there's just all those little pockets of the construction industry and it's just brilliant to see um, how you guys have managed to shape a business. It's really about the customer getting great value, great product, you know, and ease and convenience plus confidence that they're, you know, working it the way that they need to. I hope that you really enjoyed the first part of my conversation with Evan. He had some brilliant information to share, didn't he? So make sure you head to the show notes. Uh, there's links and resources that we've mentioned in this episode there. Evan's also given me a bunch of images and photos that show what he was talking about. So there, I've popped those into the blog post so that we've we've got them there for you to check out. So the link to that is in the show notes. Um, you're also going to be able to learn more about Interior Design 101. If you haven't checked it out yet, make sure that you do. It's a self-study online program that will help you gain clarity and confidence for the interior design of your future home. It is so packed with helpful information for the interior design selections, decisions, choices, all the things that you need to think about. And it's just sitting there as a great resource for you to be able to tap into. There's some great bonuses in there. And as a member of Interior Design 101, Evan is offering a fantastic saving on DIY blinds, uh, on making orders. There's a special coupon code inside the course. And seriously, Based on what you order, you could pay for the course itself. So really a great option there available for you. Now, as I said, I've got another part of this conversation coming up in the next episode. Evan shares some helpful information on plantation shutters. We talk more about mistakes, more about design tips and uh, go through the process of ordering blinds online so that you can understand how that all works and how to have confidence around it. Now, as always, huge gratitude to you. Thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. 
ally. Until next time, bye.